We're not even talking about the game, the actual game. We're talking about practice. Welcome back to Talking About Practice. I'm your host, Murs. Before we get into it, I'm just going to explain who I am for those probably wondering who the hell is this dude. I'm Murs, co-host of the Family Mart Podcast. For most of my 20s, I spent most of my time doing music. I was an aspiring rapper. I also went to school and graduated uh, with a psychology degree from Nevada State College. Coached basketball, women's basketball for eight years. Also currently a graduate student at the University of Miami, and I'm studying sport management. Also, if you guys see back here, I got the Iverson jersey in the jersey case. Shouts to my boy Shake for hooking that up. He saw the setup. He was like, yo, get that jersey off the hanger, my boy. We gonna get that up uh, once I get a drill. Let's get to it. Parlay Poppy Picks of the Week. Man, did pretty bad last week. I think I went for like two and five. The ones that we did get right, the Knicks and the Jazz under 232. The Knicks won 118 to one to 111. Actually, I had the Jazz winning 118 to 110. So we almost got the score right. Just different teams winning. The other pick that we got right was the Titans, uh, plus three over the Packers. So we're going to give you guys some more picks for this week. We'll start with Monday Night Football. Now, remember, we record this show on Monday nights. So this game is already going to happen, but you could just see if we did right. Okay. San Francisco versus the Arizona Cardinals in Mexico City. The San Francisco 49ers on William Hill are favored to win by 10 points. The over-under is 43. Now, I am a diehard 49er fan, so it's going to be pretty hard for me to like not go for my team, but 10 points is kind of high considering that uh, the Niners, I think, only won by a touchdown the last couple times we played uh, Arizona. So I don't know if I'm going to take the points on that. However, I would take the money line. There are some key injuries with Arizona that could cause 49ers to cover. Marquise Brown is still out. I believe Kyler Murray will not be playing tonight. Here's a couple of notes. Uh, San Francisco, they're 0-3 as home favorites on the under. They've never won on the over with that. They're also 3-6 and on the over-under overall. I think what you should do, you should parlay this. San Francisco, take the money line and take the under 43 points. Final score is 24-14. 49ers will win in Mexico City. Moving on to Thursday night football. The New York Giants will be in Dallas against the Cowboys. William Hill has the Cowboys winning by nine points. The total score is 44 and a half. Dallas is rolling right now. I really like them, um, even though I'm not a fan at all of their arrival of my team. But I like them for this game. Dak is balling. Uh, their, their running backs are killing it. Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott, they had a great week. So what I would do is I would take the spread here, uh, minus nine. Uh, as far as the points, we can take the over, 44 and a half. I do think that Dallas is going to put up a lot of points on New York as they are division rivals. Final score for that game is 31-19. Dallas takes the win. The Giants will score one touchdown. And uh, I think it's probably going to be a run with Saquon Barkley and Gano is probably going to get four kicks. But I don't I don't see Daniel Jones throwing uh, that great that game. World Cup just started on Sunday. So Qatar and Ecuador, they opened up and Qatar lost. Obviously, they lost. They I don't even think they should be in the World Cup. But Ecuador won 2-0. I believe it's the first time that a host nation lost the opening game. Tomorrow, Mexico and Poland go at it. This is what I would do. I'm taking Mexico plus 165, so take the money line. Go ahead and pair it up with with nations that you know are going to win. So I parlayed it with France over Australia, Argentina over Saudi Arabia, and Spain over Costa Rica. It pushes the parlay to about just over plus 400 points. 
and that should be a guaranteed win. Go ahead and get some free money. Sacramento Kings at Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, there's going to be no John Morant, most likely. He's week to week with his high ankle sprain, and I'm pretty sure Desmond Bain won't be playing. However, the Kings won the last five games. They beat the Warriors and the Nets. They've also covered four of the last five, six of the last seven. I don't know what the points are or the money line. They haven't come out yet, but whatever it will be, take the points or take the money line. That's going to be the Sacramento Kings will take that. Whatever the line is for the Kings, take it. All right, let's get to some notable updates from this past weekend. We're going to do some Nevada sports real quick. Bishop Gorman yet again wins the NIAA 5A state championship 70-6 to against Reno's Bishop Minogue. Gorman Jr. running back Micah Kaapana, 236 rushing yards, four touchdowns on four carries, all in the first half. Uh, I, I talked to their coach, their uh, quarterback's coach, and he said they pretty much pulled him after that. So he only played one half, and this dude pretty much put up better numbers than uh, most NFL running backs. I get it, it's high school, but if this was fantasy, my guy would have 58.8 points PPR. Moving on to some college basketball. Lon Kruger was inducted into the College Basketball Hall of Fame this past weekend. I got to talk about him because he did coach the UNLV running Rebels. He also coached in the NBA with the Atlanta Hawks. He was a head coach there. Uh, he didn't make it through the season, I, I don't believe. I think he cut a deal with the fans where uh, to bring people in. If they would lose, he would pay them back their tickets. So I think they weren't too happy about that. They let him go. Moving on to football, we have some pretty interesting games this weekend. The Raiders uh, won in overtime with a walk-off touchdown from Devontae Adams. Uh, Derek Carr is 8-2 in his career for overtime wins. He has the best overtime win percentage over Tom Brady, and Tom Brady sits at number two. Raiders probably won't make the playoffs. Their season is most likely done unless something crazy happens. Uh, but the game was fun to watch. Uh, I did have money on the Raiders, so shouts to them for hooking me up with a little bit of cash. All right, let's go ahead and get into some stories here. I want to talk about the Washington Commanders. and They're kind of making a push right now. Uh, Taylor Heineke is 4-1 since taking the starting job after Carson Wentz went out with a finger injury. I definitely think they should keep Taylor Heineke. I know that there was actually a deal when they made the trade with the Colts if they were to start uh, Wentz for 70% of the snaps this season, then the commanders allegedly will need to send a second round to the Colts. If he starts under 70%, then they're going to send a third round pick to the Colts. If I was the Washington Commanders, I might as well just keep Taylor in. He's doing pretty good. Question is, though, do you keep Carson Wentz as a backup or do you trade him at this point? I personally think you might as well keep him as a backup because he's not that bad of a quarterback. Now, I know he's been declining ever since he got injured in Philadelphia. He was balling when he was in Philadelphia before he got hurt, and then he kind of declined. However, like the first game, he had like four or five touchdowns. So he's definitely not a terrible quarterback. I just don't think he knows how to win. Taylor Heineke definitely knows how to close out games and for the win. He also has a notable win against the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles, uh, which actually was a pick that we definitely got wrong last time. We'll see how they do in the division. Uh, that's probably one of the best divisions in the NFL, the NFC East. The Giants started off pretty good. They're 7-3 right now, but I think the Washington Commanders, they could eclipse that. Let's get into some college basketball. Southern California signed the nation's number one recruits in both men's and women's basketball. For the men's basketball team, they signed Isaiah Collier. He's a 6'4 guard out of Wheeler High School, Marietta, Georgia. The style of play reminds me of Jaden Harden. 
This dude said Jaden Harden. <laughs> his style of play reminds me of Jaden Hardy. Has great floor vision. He can create his own shot anywhere on the court. He has no problem getting to the basket. He's very physical. Uh, or if you give him too much space in the floor, he can he can knock down a three. On the women's side, they signed the number one player in the 2023 class, Juju Watkins. She is a six-foot guard out of Sierra Canyon. She's a very physical guard. I've seen her play before. And, uh, I mean, she's tall for her guard size, and she's big body, so she definitely can isolate in the paint. She gets to the basket very easy. She likes to take the contact, and she can finish well. She has a very good mid-range shot, and she elevates high, so it's hard to stop her from scoring when she gets into the mid-range. That's going to be very good for the USC women's basketball team. Currently, they're undefeated. Uh, Coach Godlieb, man, she's been doing a good job recruiting the last couple of years. If you're unfamiliar, Coach Godlieb is the former NBA coach. Uh, she's the seventh female hire ever in the NBA when the Cavs hired her in 2019 as one of their assistants. So shouts to USC. They picked up the number one recruits on both men and women's side. So uh, it's going to be fun to watch them play next year. Let's get into some controversy. With this year's FIFA World Cup underway, it's been tied to a myriad of controversies surrounding Qatar's bid to host the world's most grand sporting event. From FIFA's top senior officials receiving bribes and vote swap allegations to the social climate of human rights and the mistreatment of migrant workers, Qatar has been scrutinized by sports officials, fans, and players alike. The Qatar Olympic Committee states on their website that their mission is to sponsor and improve Olympic movement in accordance with principles of the Olympic Charter. The sixth fundamental principle of Olympism says that the rights and freedoms set forth in the Charter will be secured without discrimination of any kind, such as race, color, sex, sexual orientation, language, or religion. Although Qatar is known as an economic powerhouse with money bags leaking oil and gas and its citizens being some of the richest people in the world, the country, however, lacks freedom of speech, expression, and essentially any progressive ideas that will move the country forward ahead of its deep-rooted oppressive culture. Gender equality is non-existent. Homosexuality is punishable by up to three years in prison. And over two million of its population are migrant workers who work in unsuitable conditions of forced labor fit for modern-day slavery. Since winning the bid in 2010, an investigation by The Guardian counted over 6,700 migrant workers' deaths from nations such as Nepal, Bangladesh, India, and Pakistan. However, the number's accuracy is in question, as other deaths from countries like the Philippines, along with other nations, have not been counted. Some estimate death tolls to be higher than 10,000. The living conditions these people endure in these camps are unlivable to all standards. Most camps house hundreds of workers in small spaces sharing a kitchen with barely any running water. These camps were filled with vermin and human waste. Workers are unable to leave or quit as their passports are compromised by their employer and would be denied exit visas to leave. With a nation that boasts the stat as one of the richest countries in the world per capita, how does this even happen? How does a nation whose national soccer team that never qualified for the World Cup win a bid? Corruption? According to a report by UK-based Sunday Times, leaked emails suggested that Mohammed bin Hammam had paid millions of dollars of bribes to FIFA officials and afforded cash gifts to football delegates. Bin Hammam is a Qatari soccer official and a former FIFA executive cabal who was banned from FIFA for life in 2011 for other charges on corruption. The U.S. Department of Justice had also released evidence that three South American FIFA officials had received bribes to vote for Qatar. Julio Grandona of Argentina, Nicolas Leos of Paraguay, whom are now both deceased, and Ricardo Teixeira of Brazil. As a former high school basketball coach, we enjoy teaching the game we love. It's a way for us to give back to the community, 
help kids get to college and sometimes into the pros. Most importantly, you create lifelong relationships and lessons that you hope pave the roadways for your athletes to succeed in their own way. You teach life, but we also teach integrity. We instill values in our kids and they learn to play the game with honesty. They learn how to be resilient and they learn how to lead and do things the right way, to not cut corners or cheat your way through the process. As adults in the sports world, we have to continue being an example in the youth as they'll be the ones to eventually become leaders and take on roles in sport governing bodies like FIFA. One of the main concerns of the International Olympic Committee is what will host nations do to continue legacy when the Olympic Games or the FIFA World Cup is over? What will a nation do to improve and continue to provide for the youth and women in sports? We can't continue to progress sport and create legacy if the foundation of why we do it is based on advancing global initiatives through corrupt political agendas. We don't teach our kids to cheat, so why would we do it ourselves? As the next 30 days of the highest level of soccer is played by the world's top athletes representing their nation, let's not forget about the migrant workers whose lives are cemented in the seven stadiums built on their blood. Our friends and family in the LGBT community experiencing life in a nation where it's a crime to be yourself. Let's not forget the women who are oppressed and restricted from freedoms their counterparts imposed on them. However, Let's also not forget that we, as Americans, are not completely innocent in our repressive ways in history as well. The U.S. enacted Title IX for equity in sports for women not even 50 years ago, in 1975. And also the U.S. is known for its history of slavery and systemic racism. Like I said, we're not 100% innocent. But if leaving a legacy is a key principle to improving and globalizing sport and humanity, then let's bleed past the borders and use sport to improve human rights worldwide with a little less conversation and more action. Thanks for watching Talking About Practice. We'll see you guys next We're week. We're talking about practice, man. We're not even talking about the game, the actual game, when it matters. We're talking about practice.